what's important and what's not in today's drainage community. Today we welcome a special guest to talk about these things, the effects and the repercussions, the regulations and the driver retention. My name is Chris Joslin and welcome to Jaws Bites. Welcome again, everybody. This is Chris Joslin, your host, and welcome to Jaws Bites, brought to you, as always, by www.ilevellogistics.com, probably coming across your screen at this very moment. If not, it better be. Anyway, as always, we are trying to expand everyone's knowledge and horizon in terms of transportation logistics, uh, sometimes globally, sometimes you know, centered around the, the continental United States, and sometimes, as in today, focused on the L.A. Basin and the local drainage community there. Uh, we have a special guest today, and, and they are going to be, as we always do, trying to help us understand a little bit more of the complexities that go on in our industry, uh, and at the same time, giving us a perspective of, you know, how to run business. Because this isn't just about transportation logistics. It's, it's about how to start, run, and manage your own thing. The entrepreneurs out there, the, the professionals within the industry, and those that in the future may want to do something, there are steps to take. There are things to do. There are, are things you need to understand and learn that will bring you to a point where you can have a successful business organization. Today we've, we've brought in the managing uh, entity of a company called Lightning Express up in the Los Angeles area. Uh, he'll talk a little bit about his company, I'm sure, but he is an absolute expert as for a young man in the industry. But he ended up, like a lot of us do, in the transportation logistics supply chain world, and doggone it, now he's stuck here with the rest of us. And so in doing so, he has decided to uh, allow us to take a peek inside of his daily life and, and see what he thinks about the world of Dre in Los Angeles. So welcome, Aiden Zamora. So so today we have a great guest to spend a little time with us today talking about local trucking and drayage in Southern California, Mr. Aiden Zamora, Vice President of Lightning Express. Welcome. Hey, Chris. Glad to be on. Thanks for the invite. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, we appreciate your time today. I know how crazy things are out there in the uh, L.A. basin in terms of dredge. But what I was hoping to do today is just spend a little time getting to know you. Our audience is looking to find a feel about how things are going in different parts of logistics and transportation across the United States, across the world for that matter. And one of the most important places to be aware of and understand and learn about is Southern California, especially near the ports and the rail systems there. And if you could, maybe you could spend a few minutes just telling us a little bit about yourself, your background, and how you got into this. Yes, absolutely. So uh, I like to say that I come from a family of truckers. My father was not a trucker. Uh, I actually have an uncle that introduced me to trucking. You know, I've always been fascinated by by 18-wheelers. You know, as a little boy, uh, I had a friend uh, whose uncle owned uh, a cab over. 
triple axle, tandem axle truck, and he uh, gave us a ride over to Long Beach uh, in this thing. And I was just like, wow, these these machines, you know, we were right above the engine at that point. And it was something that kind of, you know, made me think, well, you know, how much money do these guys make? And, you know, what's their day like? You know, as a kid, I must have been seven or eight years old. It was just fascinating. So that, excuse me, that was my introduction to big rigs. Um, mm-hmm. In my teen years, I had an uncle that uh, was an owner operator, owned his own uh, big rig and uh, started his own company, actually. The name of the company was uh, G&M Trucking based out of Torrance, California. Mm. Uh, so one summer he invited me to go work for him, you know, keep me busy. Uh, and that's that's how I started, uh, you know, getting to know drivers, learn the ins and outs of dispatch, you know, just being a paper chaser, starting from the bottom and working your way up. Uh, as I was introduced to that field, I said, hey, you know, I, I think a lot of people can relate to this, especially dispatchers. You know, it's fast paced. And I think, you know, in going to work, what we most look for is, you know, some nothing better than looking at the clock and half your day's over. And it's like, man, I'll be home in a little while. So when I got my start, that was pretty much the case. It's like I'd get there, drink some coffee. And next thing you know, it's noon and you're like, this is awesome. You know, I, I'm going to go get to hang out with my friends in just a few hours here. So I think that's what was my initial attraction to the field, you know, building relationships with people uh, has always been pretty big for me. I was always very involved in extracurricular activities during my, uh, mm-hmm. Scott, you know, my school years, you know, middle school and high school. So mm-hmm. it was a good fit for me personality wise. Right. Go, go, go kind of personality. Right. And, That's- and, and certainly the drayage market in, in Southern California is just that it's, it's, you've got to always be nimble and always on the move and ready to do whatever it takes to get the job done for the company you work for, but also kind of for the, the industry as a whole to, to, there's so many pieces of it. And at the end of the day, the way I look at transportation overall is there's, there's a lot of companies out there that spend a a great deal of time looking at the analytics behind everything, crunching numbers do, and all of us do that to some extent, but the touch point for your customer, shipper, receiver, port, rail, et cetera, always comes down to, it's kind of the way I, way I look at things is, you know, there's a, a high tech side, but there's a high touch side. In the drayage component, getting those drivers where they go, when they're supposed to get there, they're, they reflect who you are as a company. They're that important high touch part. And that, that's, that's kind of the way I feel about it. But I don't, what, what is your perspective on kind of the relationship between the overall industry and that driver component? Uh, you have to really immerse yourself. Um, if, you know, I, I'm not a CDL, I'm not a driver, um, but I have seen very successful trucking companies. What they do very well is they put people in positions of, you know, like, for example, driver liaison position or, you know, a guy that oversees the entire safety department that happens to be a former driver that can really relate to these guys. You know, if you are a, you know, 100 plus, 1,000 plus fleet unit truck trucking company and, you know, you have people whose sole reason is to hear drivers feedback and understand what some of their struggles are, then you're really catering to those individuals. If you can really do that well as a trucking company, then you're going to be able to keep these guys on board. You want them to feel like they're not just a number. You want you want to listen to 
their pains and their aches and be able to address it in a way that makes their job a little bit easier because reality is you know they're in daily communication with the dispatch department but dispatch is not in the field you know sometimes there's right. many right. variables out in the field that dispatch doesn't even find out about so the, the more we know about the accounts we service the shippers we service what what how they cater to your drivers your fleet um the the better we can be as a trucking company to properly price business and uh also make it um easy for our drivers to deal with so you know with your company i would imagine you're trying to balance things all over the place you know probably spinning a lot of plates as the saying goes but i i would think a lot of the especially in southern california a lot of the regulations that that are there a lot of regulations that come out and and different things that that are coming at the truckers in general like hours of service and elds things like that that most people in our industry know about you have to be able to to understand what you can do within the time and constraints of those regulations how do you guys handle that how, how is number one is how is your company moving in those directions how are you managing it well, we manage it in a way where I think it all starts with understanding the pieces of business that you onboard as a company. Um, it, it starts there. You want to understand what the requirements are, whether it be drop and hook business, whether it be live unload business, whether it's business that's coming out of the port, coming out of the railroads. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you kind of want to align the business you're onboarding with the hours of service and your capabilities. Not just that, but you even want to do it on a driver level because there's certain driver drivers that uh, adapt quickly to certain types of business, certain lanes. You know, there's guys that like to head out of town. There's guys that like to stay local. Um, you know, I, I I like to. So it's use really them. a person by person kind of thing you're talking about. It, it is. You know, uh, I think you know dispatchers don't like to have limitations in terms of where they send drivers and what they have them do. But I think uh, a planning and dispatch department that functions very well understands their drivers very well and caters to that need so that you're harnessing people's strengths. And so I, I hope everybody out there is hearing that planning is it's something that I I talk about all the time. And even when you don't have always a clear direction on where you need to go from a day to day standpoint, getting getting through the efficiencies and the hours of a day and planning around the people and the personnel that you have, whether it's drivers or internal dispatchers, et cetera, is hugely important. Otherwise you don't complete what you need to. You don't get, you know, full utilization out of either your individual. And then the other, uh, the other thing Aiden is saying very clearly, at least what's coming to me is that you kind of have to individualize the way you handle your personnel. You have to understand where they're coming from, what their needs are in terms of, whether you want to get out of town more often and have a longer haul, whether it's short haul, whether it's drop and pull, all those kinds of things are important. 7 p.m. last night, I had a driver call me. He said, hey, you know what, Aiden? Uh, I don't know if this is working for me um, really? because uh, I've got a dispatch starts at 4.30 a.m. tomorrow, and I'm getting off, and it's 7 p.m., mm-hmm. and I'm going to get a 10-hour reset. And I go, well, I go, uh, you know, I don't want to use the individual's name, but um, mm-hmm. I go, you know, dri- driver A uh, – let me let me see what we can do to adjust your schedule accordingly so you get your rest. Um, mm-hmm. so, you know, I just don't know if I can do these early starts because here, let me tell you, I, I live in a neighborhood, man. He lives in Highland Park, actually, mm-hmm. uh, area of Los Angeles. That's uh, it's urban. You know, mm-hmm. people are walking their dogs at 9 p.m. You know, mm-hmm. it's uh, those are rolling hillsides. There's some wildlife there. You mm-hmm. know, you got 
just all sorts of things happening, you know, especially now today with the pandemic, you know, people who are not working, staying up later. Um, and so he, you know, you, that, that area, because it is urban, it is populated. You've got ambulances, police trucks, you know, uh, police cruisers, I should say, you know, rolling down the street and waking you up. It's like, you don't get to bed till 10 o'clock and you've got to wake up at three 30 to be at work by four, you know, that's no good for us either from a fleet perspective and safety. You know, we want to make sure you guys are rested. And so it doesn't matter if you take down two cups of coffee on the way to work. Reality is, right. you know, it'll catch up to you by the end of the week. Yeah. So uh, that was a phone call I had last night. I think, you know, more and more you'll hear with, you know, from these, uh, these leaders of trucking companies that you, you have to be adaptable as a trucking organization. You really mm -hmm. have to cater to truckers needs in order to retain them if you're not yeah. nimble like that if you're not willing to adapt or bring on pieces of business that are flexible enough so that you can place them in different areas depending mm -hmm. on what your personal needs are then you're just going to continue to have a turnover issue you know i had a um, a an article on the site that I put out, this is probably a couple of months ago, maybe, maybe I did a podcast on it too. I'm not sure, but it, the, the title I gave, it was driver centrism and kind of thinking differently along those lines. And I know in the past, I mean, one of the things that, you know, baseline, you always have to think about in terms of driver retention is the amount of pay they're getting, how they're getting paid, their frequency, all those kinds of things. And that's an important component about it. But the other side of it, which you've just you know, mentioned very eloquently is you've got to not predict how every driver will react, but understand that they're all different. And it goes back to the high touch thing we talked about. Certainly as a, as a company, I would imagine you're doing everything you can to build your company in a way that, that is efficient and structured so that your internal dispatch and your customer service people understand what needs to be done and they can do the same things over and over because that's how you build efficiency but at the same time give your drivers leeway to do the things that are in their core competency the things they want to do and get paid well for absolutely chris you know a lot of the conversations i have with uh, candidates driver candidates that come through these stores uh, relates to pay. You know, I think at the end of the day, one's household needs to be taken care of in order for them to function well in their job, work comfortably, and be a top performer. You know, because if if your house is not in order, then you're not going to be a good, you know, employee at work. Um, right. It's drag on you. I think that that goes across the board in any industry, any kind of job. But these guys, you know, I really, uh, I really try to relate to them in terms of pay, I mean, hey, I've got a job, I've got a household, a family, kids and a wife, um, you know, if they're family men, if they're not, I mean, even if they're not, if they've got a dog, whatever it is, uh, those things gotta be taken care of. Um, their dog needs food. Sometimes their yeah, dog needs a road exactly. dog. So yeah. uh, very common amongst truck drivers. Um, yeah. We've not encountered uh, a situation yet where somebody said is asking us, hey, can I bring, you know, uh, bubbles on my uh on my daily trips you know we, we don't have a no pet policy so absolutely yeah. hey bring him or her on board well, uh, there's there's a whole there's you go on instagram and such there's a whole world of truckers out there that all are shooting pics of their pets and different things like it's a it's there there's a certain mentality it takes i think to as you said when you're a kid 
you you were amazed at these giant machines people were jumping in and driving all over and you've got to be a certain kind of mindset person to want to jump in the cab of this thing and run around all in, in it all day um long, so, and this is short haul we're talking about but we just we just don't want someone yapping at us all day <laughs> yeah, exactly. maybe, maybe barking is exactly. a little more maybe uh, barking but not yapping exactly. right it's <laughs> But uh, back to the pay conversation, you know, uh, I don't like to say to drivers, hey, you know, this is this is what you can take home every week because everybody's got a different tax situation. Right. Mm -hmm. What I like to say to them is this is this is what you can make at the end of the year, you know, mm -hmm. before taxes. Um, and really, you know, in California, things are so expensive. And reality is, you know, most people just want to cover their bills. But hey, we're not the kind of company that just wants to pay you enough to cover your bills. You know, we, we're the kind of company that wants you to take some money mm -hmm. home, pay the bills, be able to take your kids to Disneyland, you know, whenever you mm -hmm. want. And right. uh, it's it's incredibly tough to do so in Southern California. You know, I'd say this pre and post pandemic because Disneyland is like 300 bucks per person right now, but I'm sure that'll settle down at some point. Uh, what is meant is that these drivers need to make enough money to make a good living and enjoy their free time with their family. Uh, that's that, that's really, you know, our focus is the drivers. Our focus is to make sure that these guys uh, are proud to work here and mm -hmm. in a good paycheck. Well, in, in these days, you know, the driver uh, deficit is pretty significant. And I, you know, I think there's a lot of contributing factors to that. But in terms of retention of drivers, in terms of what's going on out there, Every time the the oil industry booms or every time the housing industry booms, there is a significant drop in the number of drivers available for the industry. And I know on top of that, about a year ago, they, they put some more enforcement in place on the, the administration for drug and alcohol, uh, uh, looking at people, testing people more putting a process in place for bringing people back aboard if they've tested it. My, my reading has said that there's some 50,000 drivers not in the industry today after a year of enforcing those policies that normally would be. And that's a great safety thing because you don't want drivers out there, of course, that have these problems. But you've got to find somebody to fill those gaps. Yeah, I believe what you're referring to is the drug and alcohol clearinghouse Yes. Yes. Yeah, so, you know, we've uh, we just had a, an audit with uh, one of the state agencies here and, uh, you know, that was they're enforcing, you know, the uh, the compliance on that. And it, though it's a Fed mandated program, uh, the state agencies are making sure that, you know, trucking companies, you know, anybody who's got a fleet of trucks is uh, properly right. uh running the queries on there for drivers coming from other companies and, and reporting when, you know, these drivers are either uh, refusing or uh, testing mm -hmm. positive in some of those cases. So right. it's, it, it, it is definitely at the front of the, uh, you know, the enforcement agencies. Um, it really, it, the driver pool, the availability of drivers that has gone down as a result of this type of enforcement hurts our industry, but, with safety in mind, I mean, you know, I like to say we just had our quarterly safety meeting to, you know, so these drivers, hey, those families next driving next door to you, you know, that's somebody's wife, kid, you know, just like yours, you know, don't put this company, don't put yourself in a position where something could happen to them. Think of them first. Right. So, right. You know, anybody right. who's doing drugs and on the road, you know, it's just unacceptable. It can't happen. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, you know, uh, there's so many different things we could talk about over the course of a half an hour of, of you know, conversing about drainage in Southern California, and you could go in a million different directions. I mean, the regulations that are out there are one of the things that kind of drives me crazy because it seems, especially in Southern California, California regulatory-wise likes to be the tip of the spear on everything. You know, certainly with with the and I and I grew up in transportation here as well. So even over the course of my too many years in transportation, 30 plus years in transportation, I've seen a huge change in the air quality for the better in Southern California for a whole lot of reasons. But that does not mean that anybody's letting up pressure on that aspect of what we do. Certainly the uh, age of the engines of trucks going into ports, et cetera, is, has been a compliance issue for years with the California Air Resource Board. Now they've gone ahead and, and decided to the South County air quality management team has decided to implement, oh, I think it was PR 2305 or something like that, which is that indirect source rule. I don't know if you know a lot about that, but just to throw it out there as a, as, as, as part of this conversation, they are now going to be requiring warehouses, which have always had to have a certain compliance as far as their emissions is concerned. But they're looking at fugitive emissions from not just from those warehouses and the activity there, but from the truckers that come into those facilities. So if an Amazon warehouse or something is requiring, will start to require truckers that are compliant with these rules and regulations to even do deliveries into there. Now, those kind of things are just little microcosms of things that affect drayage communities all day long. And I, I, I don't know, I think on a daily basis, you're probably trying to have to circumvent those types of things along with the aspects of AB5 and the, the contractor relationships, et cetera. You know what, this is, uh, so this indirect source rule, this is, it, it's, a, it's a huge problem because who are they going to task with uh, taking down the data, recording the data for these units that are entering and exiting these facilities? You know, who's the guy at the gate? It's usually security guard. You know, you have to think about data accuracy if, you know, if they're really trying to log this the right way. Um, you know, a, a lot of these facilities can barely hire temp staff. So, you know, if, if people are thinking, you know, we're going to hire, you know, quality individuals to make sure that all this is accurate and that it's being adhered mm -hmm. to, um, it's just, you know, it causes congestion on, you know, on roadways that lead into these facilities. You know, I can't tell you how often, uh, you know, we go to a certain facility uh, and there's 20, 30 trucks in line just to get in. And the sad part about that is that you actually have law enforcement agencies that are trying to prevent that very fact. You know, it's uh, impeding the, tra the, the flow of traffic. And what's the root issue of that? Well, we're, you know, trying to record this stuff for a state agency. So you got mm -hmm. state law enforcement agencies enforcing, you know, traffic laws for something that is put together by the state. And I bet right. nobody from this law enforcement agency and nobody from the air quality board are talking to each other saying, hey, you know what, we're doing this thing. Don't cite those individuals. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, there's always something. There's always a, a delta between, you know, regulations and certifications and things that people want to put in place and then the actual enforcement of them, certainly. But everything's going big data. So somehow or another, these things, my suspicion is that what will end up having is these, because the impetus of this is being put on the warehouses, right? 
So if the warehouses are required to keep their, it's something called where points, and I won't get into the details on that, but it's a, it's a, it's a, a point system based on emissions from them, from all kinds of, how many, what kind of lighting do you have? What kind of emissions from machinery? How many propane tanks? All this kind of stuff. And then also trucks in and out. And the trucks in and out are part of this. My suspicion is that the ones coming in and out better be placarded with something that says uh, smart way, right? Or something like that. Um, which I believe your company has that, right? Your company is, is part of that arrangement. And I would imagine that's kind of the way they're going to look at those kind of things. Yeah. So we, we are a smart way certified carrier, you know, the smart way program is, it, it, it's very good to have, um, you know, in terms of the data that's reported back on the units, you know, the consumption, the emissions, mm -hmm. uh, the type of freight that you're hauling, you know, weights, you know, the, the average length of haul, all that stuff gets recorded in order for you to certify as a smart way based carrier. Uh, right, so, right. But you've got to ask them, the EPA, permission to put that SmartWay logo on your rig. You can't just do it. Um, they, they explicitly state that when they certify you. Um, hmm. So, you know, I, I think about that and how we can best approach things with the warehouses. You know, if, uh, contract carriers or rather dedicated carriers that are handling lanes at volume, always going to the same places. You know, we could just share our fleet data ahead of time and say, hey, we're already registered. Whenever you see Lightning Express show up at your facility, you know, we shouldn't have to wait. You know, mm -hmm. maybe there's two entrances to each facility, one to accommodate carriers that are kind of, you know, the gypsies of the road and one to accommodate dedicated carriers that are in and out of there every day. Right, right. Yeah, I I, I think that, well, there's going to be a certification process in a, in a follow-up process. It's, I guess the reason I even talk about these things the way I do is because I, I feel like that the amount of detail, the amount of regulation that's coming at the logistics transportation industry in general is huge and more complex every day. And I think that the technologies involved with understanding this, complying with things and keeping track of all this is probably half the duty you have these days is trying to manage these pieces to make sure that there's no holes in the puzzle you're looking at and then doing the job that dredge people are supposed to do. And that's moving freight from A to B. And it's, uh, you know, who, who knows where that'll go. It really, it's really interesting to me that, that all this kind of stuff is happening. But to me, it all comes back to the same thing we talked about a few minutes ago. And that's keeping the driver, the central part of what you're thinking is as a company. That's, that's my perspective. I, I don't run a drage company though. You do. And I know there's a ton of hats you have to wear, but from an outsider's point of view, the drage companies that I like to deal with the most uh, in my history are the ones that have a, a well-rounded customer service affect and then drivers you can count on that you don't have to worry about when they're picking up at your facility or delivering to your facility. Yeah, definitely. Uh, some of the conversations we have between, you know, the people who lead my dispatch department and, you know, mm -hmm. drivers who tend to move on or say a candidate that's not a very good fit for us are along the mm -hmm. line. You know, it starts with character and mm -hmm. response. You know, does a candidate, you know, exhibit uh, 
good moral character and is that of a uh, you know responsible man or woman um, right I think those character traits probably for any job are something that any company looks for but uh, particularly for drivers you know we're wanting to understand what what their personal needs are so that we're aligning mm -hmm. as a company you know we're a local drainage company we don't really do too much overnight freight it's local uh, early starts you know a lot of people especially today you know have a spouse that maybe works a shift that's opposite of theirs because they've got kids at home that are doing zoom learning and so oftentimes we hear from a driver I have no issue starting at 3 a.m as long as you can have me off by four you know I think that for local drainage companies the sweet spot really is in, in, in a driver's schedule that's you know 10 10 to 11 hours max mm -hmm. per day and then there's so how, how does uh, not to interrupt you but how does that work with all the eld and hos uh, hours of service and electronic log data how, how does that tie into the local drainage are, are there exemptions in distances and things like that that allow for longer periods of time and how, how does that work great question so you know we as as a short haul carrier, you know the ruling now, the federal ruling is a 150 air mile rule. Anything below that mark, as a length of haul that you're doing as a company, would would categorize you uh, to be exempted from the use of ELDs. Mm -hmm. um, you can you can have your drivers do you know uh, day slips. You know if, if for whatever reason they end up you know going over um, you know the 14 hours. Um, there's adverse weather exemptions. I believe there's a right. two-hour two hour, uh, period that you can go over if there's adverse weather conditions. It could be rain, could be... I know there's conveyance issues too, your personal conveyance, you know. There is, you know, so. I'd say that whenever you uh, encounter uh, an inspection point and, and you say your personal conveyance after you've probably been working, you know, 10, 12 hours a day, uh, they're going to dig a little bit deeper. However, right. you know, for us... Um, you know, the best policy is just to adhere to the rules uh, and make sure that, you know, you're not, your drivers are not violating that 11 hour drive time. They're taking their mandatory 30 minute break, uh, their rest breaks, you know, before, yeah. before, before the fifth hour now it's recommended. Um, mm -hmm. If you're doing more than an eight hour shift, if you're doing less than an eight hour shift, then you don't need to take a rest break. Yeah. Uh, so there's exemptions. There's definitely carve outs. Um, you know, for us as a local carrier, not too recently, we were we were going uh, outside of of the uh, the 150 air mile rule, which is actually 173 or so terrestrial miles. So uh, we're doing a drop and hook account that really pressed our drivers literally to, you know, it's a full day. You're, you're driving, you know, 10 hours a day and it's a 14 hour shift if if you encounter some traffic. Um, that being said. Um, you know, we've always been ELD compliant because reality, sure. if you're doing day slips, then when the authorities uh, do their inspection, it, it just forces them to look at other ways you conduct your business. You know, they start digging a little deeper into the fuel logs. You know, your driver said he was sure. here all over, you know, on your, how is it that he was up there when he was fueling down here at this time? And, right. uh, you know, it's just better, you know, I just, I serve as a reminder to my drivers, you know, make sure you're logging your fuel, your fuelings when you're, uh, when you're at the fueling station, you got to drop down to on duty and put that you're at, you know, as he feels Montebello or wherever, 
one of our locations, we have a fuel contract with a certain mm-hmm. company and they have, you know, several sites in Los Angeles, you know, sure. so those things are all key to making sure that when, when you, you know, when you're going through your compliance reviews, uh, you're an honest company, you're a company that's doing things the right way. Um, and you're not flying at the seam of your pants. So, and, and that's gotta be a difficult part with our industry in general in, in many geographies where, and there's a lot being done and, and there's a lot of proponents to the new contractor rules that are in place in California and AB5, you know, there was a kind of a stay by the, by the courts, but now they rescinded that. And I'm sure it'll continue to go through the court system, but the, the whole relationship between employee model and contractor model is changing dramatically and our industry will have to change with it. And, and I know from talking to you that, that, that you made that change probably a couple of years ago in, into the more of a W2 direction intentionally kind of using the foresight for this. And, but I mean, maybe you can, maybe we can finish off and you can talk a little bit about that, but also tell us a little bit more about your company and what your specialists in. Yeah, absolutely. The, uh, you know, the AB5 ruling, I think it caught everybody by surprise when it first came out. Um, you know, like you said, we were already compliant, uh, due to a number of factors. Uh, we, many of our customers reached out to us when that started, when they started hearing, you know, about it, because most of our customers are not even in California. They're, you know, in the Midwest and on the East coast. And so when they start kind of hearing about this thing, they're like, what are you guys doing? And how are you guys handling this? And how does this affect the tenders that we send you guys? Uh, doesn't affect them at all. You know, I think they were very pleased to hear that we are compliant. You know, we're an employee-based company. Mm-hmm. All of our, uh, you know, tractors are are seated by employees. And so when we do look at the contractor model, we handle that in a way that's very compliant. You know, we don't, we don't facilitate any of their work in a way where they're tied to us and they can't take work from somebody else. So I think at the end of the day, we just want to send the message that, you know, we're very strong with free market, but it needs to be done right and mm-hmm. needs to uh, adhere to the policies of the state and the federal, uh, you know, agencies. Um, as far as, you know, as far as I go and the way we'll continue to manage that, you know, we, we stay very close to the information. You know, we're, we're all for helping uh, an entrepreneur start his business. Uh, I oftentimes find myself giving free advice. You know, a lot of people would disagree to say, hey, your your knowledge shouldn't be free. You know, your ability to help somebody start a business, you should charge for that. Oh, you know what? Um, yeah, probably I could do that. But reality is that I'm a servant. You know, I'm here to help others. I'm here to help people get ahead. And if they choose to partner with us, you know, that's just a plus. That's a bonus for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing I can say about Lightning Express that is really different from a lot of other companies in Southern California is that we are dead honest. You know, we are probably one of the more honest carriers out there. Some things we say you might not like, but you're always going to get the truth. And, uh, you know, my staff here, we've we've got tons and tons of experience in dealing with the railroads, the piers, Port of Long, Port of L.A. Uh, we go to all of them. You know, we have drivers that know them all in and out. 
we know what their nuances are. You know, oftentimes you have problems within those terminals that uh, some people might ask, why do next? You know, even drivers that have never worked in a model before or harbor will ask, you know, why do next? Well, here, you know, you go to the trouble window and we're going to engage these folks and we're going to try to right. resolve the, uh, the discrepancy that's taking place because, you know, oftentimes you have marine terminal operators, but you know, they're accepting certain steamship line boxes, but one hand doesn't know what the other's doing. And it, it, it does suck that, you know, the drainage company oftentimes has to be the buffer to connect the two or to resolve the issue ultimately to service the end customer, who's a totally different party. Right. Uh, so that's that's the kind of service but you that's, get. That's exactly why they need companies like that, though, because they need the uh, – the expertise and the execution, right? You need you need both, and it sounds like you guys obviously have that. We we receive a lot of compliments from our customer base. You know, hey, you know, we give it to you guys because you guys get taken care of, and we we often don't even have to worry about it. You know, days later they you know, hey, this is closed up already. It was taken care of. You know, there, there's just so many variables, especially when it comes to the ISO boxes that we handle, the 40 foot boxes, the 20s. 45s, uh, you know, you, you really have to know that if, you know, one place is just taking the container and they're not taking the chassis, you know, you have, you might have a, a dispatch group that knows one location that they can take the chassis back to. The last place you ever want to take it back to is a yard because then you've got empty miles in two directions. You know, you got a bare chassis coming one way and it's got to go back to a depot after that. Wow. And, you know, oftentimes that's a flat fee that gets paid for by a customer. Mm -hmm. So, uh, as a trucking company, we really are focused on making sure that it's done right the first time and mm -hmm. that if if something goes wrong, that you're getting an explanation for it that's going right. to make sense to you. Yeah. Yeah. That, that Well, you heard it here, everybody. You're going to get the truth, right? And, that, yeah, and I know over, over my years in the transportation industry, a lot of people kind of skirt that. And it's refreshing to hear that from someone. And I'm sure that you and your company will do fantastic things moving forward. By the way, I love the painting in the background. It's fantastic. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. It actually represents family. So really, uh, you know, I, I, I say, hey, when we hire people here, welcome to the family. We, we like to treat people like family. I hope that as we grow, as the years go by here, that we can continue to keep that family aesthetic. Awesome. Well, again, thank you very much for spending some time with all of us today. Mr. Aiden Zamora, Vice President of Lightning Express. And you can check them out where? Uh, you've got, a, I think, an Instagram following and some other things going on, right? Yeah, check us out on Instagram. Check us out at uh, lightningexpress.com. Okay. Uh, you know, feel free to call our phone line. Look us up. We're in Montebello. Uh, we are hiring drivers. Uh, we are hiring uh, office personnel. Uh, look us up. And... Uh, if you want to come aboard to the winning team, we're here. Go and grow. Nice. Very good. Thank you again. Appreciate Thanks it. Thanks for having me, Chris. Well, guys, that's a wrap for today. It is, as always, a pleasure being with you. And we encourage you additionally to go any chance you get to our YouTube channel at Jaws Bites. Uh, see some of the videos in the past. There's a lot of particular things that are coming uh, to fruition that we talked about in terms of driver centrism. I, I mentioned it a little earlier in the podcast today. 
as well as uh, the you know, regulatory capture, some of the jobs plan stuff that the government is put placing forward, some of the AB5 versus contractor uh, deals that are, that are uh, creating a lot of havoc in our industry. So as usual, come to our website, www.ilevelogistics.com. Come see that aggregated website. Come learn, educate yourself. Get a self-certification in, um, in logistics. Be a, an expert in your field. That's what having a career is. That's what moving forward either as an entrepreneur or as part of a larger uh, organization is really all about. Uh, we encourage you to join us, listen to the Apple Podcast or Spotify or any other number of podcast platforms that you may listen to. And again, be part of the family. We encourage you to subscribe and get a part of the daily uh, subscription of, of information coming your way via email as well, email or text. So again, thanks a lot, and we'll see you very soon.